0: Moncrief with Anna Glaze on News Talk. Time to look beyond our borders to find out about some stories happening in other parts of the world. Jonathan de Berca Butler joins us once again. Afternoon, Jonathan. Just gathering myself, shortly <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> right, Malaysia, uh, we're going to go to uh, next. And uh, the, the band, the 1975, have got themselves into a bit of trouble.
1: They've got themselves into a bit of a pickle, all right. Um, they were at a festival last week in Kuala Lumpur, I think it was on Saturday. And the lead singer uh, slash frontman, I think he plays a bit of guitar as well, Matty Healy, uh, who'd be well known for being a bit of a hellraiser, decided that he'd go on a rant against the country's very strict uh, LGBT laws, right? Mm. Homosexuality is outlawed there. Um, and he thought he'd go on a rant about that. And then to basically underline what his point was, he turned around and he kissed one of his bandmates, Okay. Um, Now, he thought uh, that, you know, there'd be great reaction from the crowd and the concert would just go on. But within a couple of minutes, their set was stopped and he had to tell his fans that he'd been taken off the stage. And not only that, but then the organisers of the festival had to come out onto the stage and inform everybody that the festival itself had been cancelled by the authorities. So now they're in a whole world of trouble themselves, the organisers, because, of course, they have to, you know, give money back to the people who paid good money for these tickets. And I'm actually curious as to whether the 1975 haven't been told, you know, comments like this are probably not the best thing to do while you're on stage, um, if they'll be sued by the festival organisers for for messing up the whole festival. I, yeah. I imagine there yeah. will be some sort of a case taken against them. Anyway, the band have decided that they are not going to continue on their Asian leg or their what I presume is some sort of a world tour. So they've cancelled gigs in Indonesia and Taiwan. They were supposed to play in Indonesia on Sunday, but they're not going. Kind of understandable in a way, right? Homosexuality is not outlawed in, in- Indonesia, at least not in all of it, up in Aceh mm. which is always the exception. Um, it is outlawed, but it is a bit of a taboo subject. And there have been events and uh, organisations that have been closed down and stopped because of um, conservative pressure from people within Indonesia, right? So they probably... Good idea not to go there. Because mm, it might be yeah. quite threatening for them. Yeah. Taiwan, I'm not really un- sure about that. Taiwan has always been a bit of a shining light in that part of the world when it comes to LGBT rights. Um, so uh, I'm not 100% sure yeah, why they but did But the it.
0: band has cancelled this, or they're yeah. saying that they cancelled this, right? The than band the, are saying yeah. that
1: they've cancelled their Taiwan and Indonesia concerts. Um, off the back of what happened in Malaysia. but um, I wonder, did they get some
0: Well, I mean, if they've nudge. lost money, they've probably lost money from Malaysia, they've yes. lost money from Indonesia, maybe it's just not worth their while exactly. going to Taiwan. Yeah, yeah uh, could, could be, but be the case. Uh, but, but have the LGBT community in Malaysia thanked them for doing this? Yeah,
1: quite the opposite, actually, to be honest with you. The LGBT community there said that the actions could expose people to more stigma and, uh, and uh, discrimination. So... Mm-hmm. Um they weren't happy with them at all. And and they kind of have a point in a way. I mean, he came along, made this point. I, I don't and know how no much he has invested in Malaysia. He's probably been there a couple of times in his life, maybe. And, and then he just walks away and, and lets the LGBT community pick up the pieces behind him.
0: Uh, and presumably wasn't asked for his opinion in the first place. I, I don't think he was. No, yeah. he just went off on one. Okay, there you go. Rock stars. Wouldn't like terrible without them. Uh, Right, ciphers we're going to go to now and a very sad story. This is a a British man has been found uh, guilty of manslaughter for for killing his
1: wife. Yeah, originally he was on trial um, for premeditated murder, but he was found not guilty of that. So this is 76-year-old David Hunter. He's an English man who after retirement or towards uh, towards in his in his early 60s at least, he moved to Cyprus to a place called Paphos specifically with his wife uh, Janice. Now, he had been together with Janice for 57 years. They met when they were teenagers, mad about each other. Um, and then at some stage, uh, Janice was diagnosed with cancer and she was suffering very badly with it. And particularly you know, to such an extent that they... Had to actually sell the apartment that they bought in Paphos, and they moved into rented accommodation. Now, they sold the apartment to pay for her treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, then COVID came along. It was difficult to get treatment. It was difficult to get the drugs that she needed, and she became a lot worse. Um, she started begging her husband to end her life, and that's what she—that's what he did in December of 2021. So when the authorities came along, they found. The wife, 74 years of age, dead. Um, she had been smothered. And uh, David Hunter, in a very bad way, he had tried to take his own life uh, using pills and alcohol. Yeah. Um, so they, they charged him with, with premeditated murder. The trial went on for 18 months, but the, um, the three-member tribunal has said there was no evidence to suggest murder had been preplanned. So it's been downgraded to manslaughter. And what that means is that it gives the court room to manoeuvre in terms of sentencing. So he could be, he'd be sentenced, all right, but it will probably be suspended. That's what they're betting on at the moment. And so he will be allowed to go free. Now, if that happens, what he's indicated is he's not going to go back to the UK. He's going to stay in Cyprus uh, to be beside his wife. So um, we'll see how it pans out. The decision is going to, the sentence is going to be handed down on Thursday. So you can expect a lot of news around that, particularly in the UK media.
0: Okay, yeah, uh, very tragic story, should mm-hmm. be said. Uh, and but his wife presumably is buried in Cyprus. That's, she is yeah. b-
1: buried in Cyprus, and 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 um, as I said, he he says that he wants to stay there and, and eventually, obviously, be buried beside her. It, it's. I should also say that politically, it's very significant for Cyprus because their politicians are now beginning a debate around assisted suicide okay. and legislation around that, and that is going to be the debate around that is going to be fairly fierce, I think.
0: Uh, yes. Right, uh, Egypt-Netherlands we're going to go to next. And uh, this is an interesting one, I suppose, to do with history and who claims it and all that. Uh, This is uh, to do with an Afrocentric exhibition. So, I suppose, explain what that that means. Yeah, so there's there's an exhibition going
1: on in the city of Leiden. Leiden's a very small, about 120,000 people in the south of Holland, known for its university, right? And they have a National Museum of Antiquities there. And they've opened a special exhibition, I think it was opened back in April or May, called Kemet. Now, Kemet is an ancient name for Egypt, meaning the Black Land, right? And Mm. what they've done, and it's quite clever in a way, I have to say, what they've done here is they've, I I assume they're trying to draw people in by showing them how Egyptian culture has been used in black music over the years. So they've got album covers by Miles Davis, I presume it's Bitches Brew, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Great album. And uh, they've got album covers with Naz, who has a kind of a, uh, uh, a prop of him as a pharaoh and Beyonce dressed up as Cleopatra and those kind of things. And what they're trying to do is they're sort of saying, look, this is how Egyptian culture has influenced black music over the years, right? So you'd think, great. But unfortunately, Egypt's antiquity service is not particularly happy about that. And they said that the museum is falsifying history with its Afrocentric approach, which, see- which seeks to appropriate Egyptian culture, right? They're saying that they're trying to fuse Egyptian culture with bra- black US music, and they're having none of it. They don't yeah. like it at all, okay. right? Yeah. So um, in response to this exhibition, what they've, the, a row went on for a while. There was a bit of back and forth, and in response to this particular exhibition, they have decided in Egypt that they are no longer going to allow the museum's archaeologists to pay visits to a necropolis there south of Cairo called Saqqara. Muse- the museum archaeologists have been going there for the last 50 years nonstop. Uh, and now they're no longer going to be allowed there. So they're very
0: annoyed about it. That. Okay, that's very interesting, really. But, but I also like how, because any Egyptian will tell you, uh, you know, we're not Arabs. That, that mm. because, You know, and it's part of the world. That might be a mistake. People have this, that Egypt is part of Africa, but almost kind of in between the Arab world and the African world.
1: Yes, and that's exactly the, Picture that they're trying to paint. There was one university professor who, who, who I quote—I can't remember his name—but I think his quote is relevant. This is a story about two different projects to make sense of ancient Egypt. One is a cultural project by this museum, and another is political project by the Egyptian state to try and make them look. They really do want to disassociate themselves from Sub-Saharan Africa, and the museum. And in fact, the museum director came out and basically said, "Look." Uh, the, they're trying to distinguish themselves from other parts of Africa a bit too much, but it was, it was a blending of cultures and a blending of people. And there was a mixture of people there, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. But I should say, just if we have the time, it does come off the back of that controversy that happened a few months ago with Netflix. Do you remember that? The Cleopatra movie yes, that was put yeah. out by Netflix and yeah. there was a black Cleopatra and it was banned in Egypt and there was an almighty row about that as well. So they don't like this depiction of their, of their culture for whatever reason.
0: As African. Right, that's interesting. Uh, Right, uh, a Hong Kong man uh, gets uh, three months because he insulted the Chinese anthem.
1: He insulted the Chinese uh, Chinese anthem, Sean. And and this comes off the back of a law that was created back in 2020 after uh, a series of incidents in which um, Hong Kong soccer fans booed the Chinese anthem. Okay, so they created this law back in 2020 which could see you sent to prison for up to three years if you insult the National Anthem, right? Three years for insulting the National Anthem. Now, this particular individual, Cheng Wing Chung, he's a 27-year-old photographer. And what he did was he took footage from the Tokyo Olympics uh, of July 2021 of a Hong Kong fencer by the name of Edgar Chung, who won a gold medal. So obviously, as the winner of the gold medal, he gets to stand up on the podium in front of his anthem, which, of course, was then the Chinese National Anthem. He Mm. took out... The audio from that and he replaced it with Glory to Hong Kong, which is the old anthem of Hong Kong and has become a kind of an anthem around those protests from 2019, those umbrella protests or whatever. Um, He put it up on YouTube. He was caught and on July the 5th, he was found guilty. And then last Thursday, sentenced to three months in prison. Uh, for this uh, insult on the Chinese national anthem.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, I- I- he's the first person to be done for this. Mm-hmm, yeah, so there'd be a, a certain amount of, uh, this is an example to people.
1: And that's exactly what the judge said. Uh, she said, handing down the sentence, that she hopes that it, it it serves as an example for other people not to do something similar. Mm. Um, so there you are. Like uh, it's, it's all part of, of this continued obliteration of... Um, you know, Hong Kong as, as a separate unit. a separate end. unit, of yeah. course,
0: yeah. Though if, they, if the maximum sentence was three years and he only got three months, mm. they kind of leaned on the more lenient side, they did. if you can use that yeah, word. Yeah, they did. In, in, <laughs> in this instance. True. Enough. Uh, right. It'll be interesting to see, though, given that so many people do things like this online, I'm sure he isn't the only person to have done this. And uh, um, there might be a fair few other people. Uh, arriving up in court. Uh, right, uh, Finland, uh, we're going to go to uh, next. And uh, the uh, Finns, that's the uh, far-right party there in in Finland, uh, the, their leader is in a bit of trouble.
1: Yeah, and they've only come into government. I think it was the end of June that the four-party mm, coalition yes. was put together, if you remember. And uh, there was major controversy, of course, around the far-right Finns getting into government as well. And the leader, Rika Pura, uh, she's got in quite a bit of trouble and um, this is off the back of comments that she posted on a far right form about 15 years ago. Uh, and they re-emerged, as these things tend to do when people get into power. Uh, Finnish media basically matched up entries made by someone using the nickname Rika. <laughs> <laughs> So she didn't hide herself very well, Anrika Pura. But this wasn't when she was a student. You know, she's not some 20-year-old hothead here. She was in her 30s. She was a university researcher at the time. Okay, And she was putting out stuff like, uh, stuff saying, um, talking about shooting people on a commuter uh, train. Uh, People from Turkish and Somali immigrants that should go home. Uh, She used the N-word in a post about wanting to spit on beggars. And she spoke about beating up children in Helsinki with an African background. So all of these things resurfaced. And really, I think in an awful lot of other countries, she'd be uh, resigning at this stage. But no, she issued an apology, said, I've made mistakes uh, and said that they were stupid social media comments. Now, of course, she went on to say that they were taken out of context. But how she can stand uh, by uh, that? I have to imagine know.
0: what the context would be that would make yeah. it all right. Yes, it's uh, just just really.
1: talking and spouting violence about other people, and there is no context required at all. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there are people who are calling for a resignation. There was a, a petition that was handed in to the opposition there a couple of days ago. Um, One hundred and twenty-one thousand people have signed this petition to call for her resignation, but unfortunately, I suppose it has no uh, it has no effect. So um, it's not a case of okay if you reach a hundred thousand signatures, we have, have to, to do something about Parliament. Yeah, uh, is um, it putting
0: any tension on, on the coalition there?
1: Yeah, big time because they've had to come out now and make a statement. And she's not the first person to get into trouble. There was a minister for economic affairs resigned uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I think. And this was after a speech that he had made actually in Parliament, but obviously that was hidden for a while, said that climate abortion would be a small step for a person, but a giant leap for humanity. And what he meant by climate abortion was that because there's the, the only solution to the climate crisis was to give more abortions to African women. Right. Okay. So
0: he had to resign off the back of that and other things. Uh, Is he he a member of the Finns party as well? He
1: was also a member of the Finns party. Okay. All right. Uh,
0: Okay. Because it'd be interesting if there's a situation where, you know, the the other party in the coalition, one of them says something, and probably it would be more the case that they would have to resign. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's an interesting one. All right. That uh, might necessarily last that coalition. Right. So what should we look out for over the next? we while yeah there's a few things coming up um, between the 26th and 29th of July
1: the Africa-Russian summit uh, will take place in St. Petersburg so that could be an interesting mix of, um, mm-hmm. of, of people <laughs>
0: we're interested <laughs> to see who's going to turn up <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not yeah, yeah
1: absolutely that's a good point uh, 29th of July is International Tiger Day uh, I must have been scratching a bit at the time yeah. things. Uh, <laughs> and then on the 31st of July actually speaking of Russia again but the sanctions on Russia actually expire officially on the 31st okay
0: And these European yeah, the European yeah, ones It'll yeah. be interesting
1: to see if they will be renewed, renewed obviously, yes, but yeah. in what way they will be renewed or will there be much, much coverage of it?
0: Uh, yeah, interesting one. All right. Jonathan, thanks, thanks a million. You. As ever, uh, Jonathan de Butler there. Uh, Ed says in relation to that uh, first story he was telling us uh, about the 1975, everyone knows that social and cultural more is a more conservative of Asia. And if you are willing to take the money and play there, you should be willing to respect their rules. Your man's grand statement just smacks of Western arrogance. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Energlaze on News Talk.